This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at craftsanity.com. I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Hey guys, welcome to episode 224 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. This is going to be available to you in two formats. I am releasing it on my podcast feed. I'm also releasing it on my YouTube channel. I'm going to try something different. I have a pretty big YouTube following and I don't put a lot of content there. So I'm like, I'm trying to just see what works. And I've been away for a while. So I thought, what better time to relaunch? And I'm also trying to thing where I record and then post the same day, which, you know, we'll see if I can actually make that happen with all the other things that are going on. But um, today is Juneteenth, 2020, and I am very excited to bring you an interview with Dan O'Wall. Dan O'Wall is the guy that some of you might have heard about. He got a lot of publicity about a stamp that he's making, the Tubman stamp that he sells on Etsy. When it's stamped on a 20. It will cover Andrew Jackson's face, except for some of his very long, his very big hair, Andrew Jackson, um, in the, on the $20 bill. You know, take one out and take a look. What Dana was able to do is come up with a design where you could stamp Harriet Tubman's face over Andrew Jackson, and it kind of lines up, and then you have a Tubman bill. And as some of you may know, the U.S. government had plans um, during the Obama administration to roll out a Tubman 20 in 2020. Dan, I was going to explain some of the significance of this year uh, in particular. And there's a couple of reasons why this is a really special time to release this new bill. However, the redesign was put on hold and they did not do production. And that was something that the Trump administration um, put on ice. Dano decided to take some action and he's going to tell the story of what he decided to do and how he did it and all that good stuff. So we're going to get into that interview and I'm going to, on the next episode I do, I will get a little more into kind of bringing you guys up to speed on what I've been up to. Okay. So before we go any further, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page about Harriet Tubman. She was an incredible woman who uh, was basically one of the most famous abolitionists out there. And she was actually born into slavery in Maryland. And then in 1849, she escaped and then she kept going back to help free family members and other slaves from the plantation system and she used there's a whole system of safe houses and a whole network of people that helped make this trip north possible for the people seeking freedom so that was before this this american civil war and then once the war started tubman worked as a spy for the union army during the war so this woman did not shy away from dangerous situations by any means. And then after 
the war ended, Tubman continued to work with former slaves to try to help help them. And she also worked with the elderly. And for that reason, for all these contributions, that's why in 2016, the U.S. Treasury Department announced that she was going to replace Andrew Jackson on the front of the $20 bill. But that plan was halted by the Trump administration. And that's where Dan O'Wall and his Tubman stamp comes in. All right. So it's been a, a while. I'm a little rusty, but um, I think it's time to grab a project and let's get to it, folks. It's time to craft sanity. Dano, welcome to Craft Sanity. Uh, the thank podcast is coming back now as a video component as well. So thank you for walking through this experimental first episode in the video format. I appreciate that. I'm so glad I'm a supporter of what you're doing. I got my Tubman stamp and I was so excited to get it. And I had to wait a little bit because I know you were sold out at the time I heard about, I think I read an article, you've, had, you've gotten a little press in some prominent places. And so I'd read an article and I'm like, oh, I need to get a stamp. So if you can maybe talk a little bit about what is the Tubman stamp and what does it do? Sure. Um, so I started prototyping these um, in early 2017. And that was shortly after the Trump administration took office there hadn't been big news about the cancellation of the plan to put Harriet Tubman on the 20 yet, but in some interview um, early in 2017, when Steve Mnuchin was asked about it, he had indicated it wasn't a high priority for them anymore. And so that already was uh, sort of worrying. Um, and so I sort of took it upon myself to look at different images of Harriet Tubman um, and start playing around with how you could actually get her on there yourself if the government wasn't going to follow through and do what I thought was the right thing. Uh, having access to a laser cutter at work, um, I started you know, playing around with some rubber. I also experimented with um, trying to 3D print it because um, I have access to 3D printers as well. I've got some behind me here. Um, but it's hard to get the definition um, and the ability to sort of pick up and transfer ink with uh, 3D printed plastic. Mm -hmm. um, so um, I made a handful of prototypes, figured out how to get it to align right, um, and started stamping some bills. Um, and instantly, I was sort of taken aback by how powerful it was to see um, Harriet Tubman on the bill, perfectly replacing Andrew Jackson, um, totally covering him up. You can see it's just like, top of his hair is still visible because he had big hair, but um, <laughs> the features Features are replaced. Um, I've got some different types of ink. This one is just a slightly um, different ink, a dark green. Um, but um, yeah, as soon as other people saw it, uh, they sort of had the same reaction. Um, and uh, I think knowing about the plan, the government's plan to put on the bill was important um, and symbolic, but it's a different thing to see it represented visually. Mm -hmm. um, this isn't um, the design that they were going to put forward, but it happened that this um, image of Harriet Tubman, which is now the earliest known photograph of her, um, <clears throat> happened to line up pretty well with Andrew Jackson's features as he's represented on the bill. Um, so that's what they went with. Um, and yeah, the visual impact was, was really immediately obvious. Um, and so I started making more, um, giving them away to people just as you know, gifts for friends, um, for birthdays and stuff. Um, and, you know, it's just you know, built by its own momentum sort of naturally um, until about this time last year um, when Ayanna Presley in questioning Steve Mnuchin further about their plans to um, put Harriet Tubman on the 20 
he really confirmed that it was officially delayed. Um, <clears throat> he said until 2028. Um, there's different reports of you know how long that delay is going to be, um, but uh, then it sort of really took off in a big way, um, and CNN and the Washington Post uh, picked up the story, um, and so that's the point at which he really had to start um, manufacturing a lot more of these um, and realized that um, this wasn't necessarily an art project anymore, but could be a legitimate stamping campaign and potentially um, put some real pressure on people who have the power to make these decisions. Um, and so I tried to um, just do what I do best, which is um, in the realm of manufacturing um, and, and design um, and just uh, figure out how to pump out as many stamps as I could as quickly as I could. And so I'd like to back up for a second. When was the first, when did you stamp your first 20? You... I think it was in March of 2017. Okay. Uh, were you at home when you did that or were you at work? I mean, was anyone was around? Were people around um, to show this to? Yeah, I think it was at work. Um, and I showed some coworkers and everyone was just like, oh, this is, this is important. This is good. Um, and it's just sort of caught on from there. And the, the cutout on here is really cool, the alignment, because you can just align it with the seal that's on there. Yeah, so that makes it very the, easy to do. I don't have my original design, but um, yeah, I eventually landed on this simplified version with the cutout. I tried aligning it a couple different ways on the bill. Um, and that, that seemed to be the, the easiest, most reliable alignment method. But I realized as I was making these stamps right away that um, if you just stamp the bill you know, randomly, um, the effect is totally lost because you just have, you can't really tell what face is there. You just mm -hmm. sort of blot over. Um, but if you're able to align it with some precision, um, you can you know, do the replacement effect. Um, and that's what uh, really um, made it, made it different from other stamps that I'd seen. Now, did you do some kind of computer overlay to try to see what it was going to look like? Or did you work all from your prototypes that you 3D printed? Or um, there, there was a fair amount of trial and error, but yeah, I managed to um, get some um, image data of $20 bills into an uh, image editing program and um, try and figure out how I needed to crop and rotate and size things so that um, the features would line up um, and be at the right scale. I know the big question everybody asks me when I say I'm stamping 20s, they say, you know, are you just wasting all your money? Like you can't use it and what's going on? Is it even legal? Now, did that come up for you? Were people afraid that you were encouraging people to stamp their money, to face a 20 and then no, it's no longer useful because it is in fact legal, but what is the uh, description or the information you give people when they ask about that? Right. Yeah. I actually have um, some uh, legal research that um, I often share with people when they ask, um, I ask about it and want more detailed information, but in short, uh, statute 333 of the U.S. Code of Regulations is what covers um, defacement or mutilation of currency. Um, and there's this sort of persistent misconception in the U.S. that marking currency in any way is illegal. Um, but the statute is very specific um, about what things you can and can't do. Um, and a lot of it is, is sort of common sense. You can't burn money. You know, you don't want to destroy it because that's removing mm -hmm. it from circulation. Um, you don't want to put advertisements on it because you can't use you know, federal property to advertise your own stuff. So no website right. names or no product names. Um, and you can't cover up the text or the denomination. You can't, you know, change the two into an eight and try and make it an $80 bill. 
Um, all that right. stuff is just sort of common sense. Don't do that. Uh, government doesn't like it when you do that and you can get in trouble. Um, but the, the punishment for these things is actually um, pretty slight compared with um, making counterfeit currency. Um, mm -hmm. Counterfeiting is what people often sort of confuse um, mutilation of currency with and counterfeiting can get you, you know, 10 years in jail and is a felony. Um, and if you are, you know, crossing out numbers on a bill and trying to write in your own denominations, um, you can get fined or um, jail sentence of a few months. Um, but uh, there's a pretty big disparity between um, these two different uh, forms of um, breaking the law. Um, in this case, stamping over Andrew Jackson, um, there aren't any security features um, on his face. There's mm -hmm. the watermark on the bill. Um, there's some UV dots. Um, some other things, but there's nothing that the stamp actually covers over. Um, and so as long as uh, you're using, as long as you're stamping and not um, creating such a large contrast difference between the ink and the bill itself that you trigger a contrast alarm, which some div digital scanners have, mm -hmm. um, they still go through just fine. I've used them in plenty of vending machines and deposited them in bank ATMs um, and haven't had an issue using them. Um, and if people do run into that, um, I suggest just using a slightly lighter ink, like this this green one, um, which still gets the same effect, but um, I haven't found a single machine that rejects these. Whereas sometimes if you're using a black ink like this, um, if the scanner is looking for um, an extra um, contrast threshold, um, it'll spit it back out. So something's wrong with this. So what is your favorite color ink? Or a favorite brand? Um, do you have a brand that works really well? I do, yeah. Ranger Archival Ink is actually one that I use a lot. I've tried okay. you know, 20 different ink pads. Um, this is Library Green, um, but it's acid-free and permanent waterproof ink. Um, and it works works really nicely. Um, so that's one that I use a lot, but I've, I've tried a lot of different kinds. Blue Ink also seems to not have any sort of um, issues in digital scanners. So there's quite a bit of leeway. Okay. And has anyone come after you? Has anyone tried to like scare you to stop doing this from the government? Has anyone said, Hey, you know, we don't want, we don't want her on the 20 and we don't want you putting her there. And now you have a bunch of people. I don't know how many people you think are out there stamping twenties that how, you, how many of these have you sold so far? Um, I, I, I think I just recently passed 5,000 orders on Etsy. Oh, congratulations. Um, That's awesome. Thank you. Um, a lot of those orders are for multiple stamps though. So I'm not exactly sure how many individual stamps are out there. Um, and prior to making this available on Etsy, I was um, making and selling tons of them um, just outside of that, either giving them away or people would just send me money on Venmo for them. Wow. So I think realistically it's probably close to 7,000 stamps that are out in the wild. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, it's hard to extrapolate from that how much actual currency has been stamped, um, but it's a significant amount. Um, I would ultimately like to hit, you know, some um, single digit percentages of, you know, all circulating 20s being stamped, because I think at that point, it would be really difficult to ignore. Um, mm -hmm. But I realize that that is a really tough hill to climb. Um, so how many, 20s, make... how many 20s are in circulation, roughly? Do you have any idea? Um, I actually forget the exact number, um, but I have looked this up um, and you'd need to, you know, be stamping on the order of millions of bills to hit, um, you know, three to 5%. Okay. So it's going to take currency. a bit. It's a lot. 
Okay. And to backtrack, I asked you like five questions at once. My apologies. Um, the, to backtrack sure. to the, the question is that anyone reached out to you or expressed, has the government expressed any dissatisfaction to you personally? Have you had any issues at all with anyone? Um, the, the government, no. Um, the government does not seem to be either interested or um, uh, capable of addressing something like this. Um, but I have received a, you know, a significant amount of um, angry messages or hate mail from people who, you know, think I'm breaking the law or don't want Harriet Tubman on the 20, um, who really admire Jackson. So I occasionally still get um, emails or messages from those sort of people. Um, and I think, and I see my role in this as, you know, trying to um, advocate as best I can for why I think this is important and why, um, you know, the arguments against it, I think, um, all fall flat when you really examine them. Um, and so when I receive these messages, I try to assess if the person is being a troll or not, because you don't, you don't want to feed the trolls, as right. the saying goes. Right. Um, but if, if someone does seem to be legitimately upset, um, I'll respond, try to respond to every um, angry message I get, and um, at least open the opportunity to have a conversation about it, um, explain, you know, in short, why I think this is important, why I'm doing this, um, and, uh, you know, ask them if they want to talk about it. Uh, so far, I haven't had any dickers. <laughs> no one, <laughs> no one wants really, to talk about it. I mean, people who send hate mail don't really, I think, usually expect to get, um, like, a, a kind well response. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of compassionate responses to, you know, <laughs> right. I hear why you're angry, but I mean, we should think about this a little harder. Now, um, what do you tell but, them? Because when you have a, a Jackson supporter, um, and maybe if you want to give just a very short, for, for people who might not, you know, recall from history class, and maybe, and so a lot of this stuff is kind of glossed over the way that's, mm -hmm. I know in my experience, I didn't really learn about American history, like full on until college. And then I was very sad <laughs> about what I learned. Um, yeah. But what what do you think is important for people to know about about Jackson? Um, well, yeah, there's there's sort of um, a lot of superficial arguments that people come at me with about Jackson, that he was the founder of the Democratic Party, um, that he founded the Federal Reserve Bank, that he was this, um, you know, really important U.S. historical figure. Um, and these things are true, but also um, you have to put them in the context of, you know, centuries of time between when he was alive and where we are now. Um, and so saying he was the founder of the Democratic Party is not the same thing as saying that he represents current democratic ideals. Um, and so that's pretty easy um, thing to sort of point out and be like, well, you know, these are things change over time, obviously. Um, uh, but he also was um, in his own time, a uh, sort of Trumpian figure. Um, he had a book Ghost written about him, you know, as an as though it was an autobiography, similar to um, Trump's Art of the Deal, that sort of lionized him. Um, and so, a lot of people who are strong defenders of Jackson and really like him um, are basing a lot of their information on him from this sort of uh, post hoc, um, uh, rosy class vision of who he was. Um, mm -hmm. When in reality, he was. Um, pretty brutal man who's you know explicitly racist um and uh is i think most well known now for the trail of tears um the indian removal act um and a lot of really um you know tragic genocidal things that um he accomplished in his lifetime and so i think you know 
he doesn't represent um, the ideals that we um, say our country represents um, in right. any way. Um, and so I think it, it makes sense and is, is time to sort of move past that antiquated view of America. Um, and Harriet Tubman, I think almost more than any other figure in American history, really does represent all these ideals that we tell ourselves we uphold. Um, and so she's the sort of perfect antidote to this really toxic character that we have representing on our currency. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's that's on its own a very strong argument um, for putting her on the bill. Um, mm -hmm. But another thing I'll tell people is that, um, you know, there's this, there's this idea um, of like that social change is somehow a zero sum game. Like if we um, put a black woman on the bill, that's somehow taking something away from um, another group of people. Um, and in fact, I think it's rare that things are that simple and cut and dry. You know, we're not living in this zero sum society. Um, mm -hmm. And I think, um, you know, having black women represented on our currency um, is a net benefit for everybody. Um, and I think looking, you know, with any depth into the subject um, makes it really clear um, that you want to have people feel included in the national conversation. You want to tell people that they're important, worth listening to as citizens, um, and that strengthens um, our societal bonds together and benefits everybody. Um, and so, um, you know, what I tell people who are against this is, you know, if you aren't in it for the moral case, which is already pretty bulletproof, um, you don't have to be in this for the altruistic case. You know, this also benefits you. Um, you're fighting against your own self-interest by pushing back against this. And then people do not decline, or they decline to have a further discussion, it sounds like, when yeah. you send that. Yeah. Well, I, maybe maybe that just gives them something to think about. Uh, the original plan, um, to, to my knowledge, were they going to move Jackson to the back of the bill? Was that the plan? Is that put Harriet Tubman on the front and move? The, yeah, that was, that was the um, plan near the end of 2016. Um, and who knows if that would have changed at any point um, in the redesign process. But it's my understanding that this was fast-tracked, you know, in April 2016 is when it was announced. Um, and changing out American currency is a long and um, right. complicated process. Um, but it sounds like they were trying to move on this fast enough um, to get it out in under a year. Um, because uh, 2020 is, was the year that it was supposed to um, start entering circulation. Um, it's the 100th year anniversary of women getting the right to vote on the 200th year anniversary of Harriet Tubman's um, birth, we think. And it's not exactly clear when she was born, um, but it lined up in all these um, really um, significant symbolic ways. Um, right. And uh, the plates, as I understand it, had already been designed and cut. And so um, all that would be needed would be to start um, the process of um, making the new bills. Um, so wow. it was not a very heavy lift for the next administration coming in to pull off. Um, and that was how it was um, designed by the Obama administration. Like, let's get as much of this done as quickly as we can so that this is just ready to go when the time comes. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that um, Jackson would just be retired completely, <laughs> not put yeah. on the back. Because 
it's one of those things that, and I think you seem to be the type of person too, is once you know something, you can't unknow that information. So mm -hmm. um, to have a man, the engineer of the Trail of Tears on every 20 that I'm handing out, like that is upsetting to me, you know, just because um, the people that we put on those pedestals, um, it's, it's just amazing to me how hard people fight to maintain that even after they have the information. Mm -hmm. that is basically saying this doesn't really represent us now it is definitely part of history uh but not uh maybe the history we want to celebrate you know every time we right. it's somebody's birthday and we're like happy birthday joe here's a 20 with the face of a man who caused a lot of pain and destruction so yeah, yeah um so this becomes more than just a stamp uh on a on a 20 dollar bill and there's a lot of more going on with what you're doing do you feel in the current climate because obviously a lot has changed since you started making these stamps. Are you seeing an uptick in the amount of people that are getting involved and wanting to stamp 20s and help you with this? Um, I mean, how, how is everything? I mean, obviously the Black Lives Matter movement is really going strong right now. Um, and there's a lot of people very upset about the racial unrest happening in our country. Have you had any conversations with people about what's going on now in and maybe, I don't know if, if you're connecting with people in a different way than you were when you first started this process. Um, honestly, it's been fairly steady um, since uh, about this time last year. Um, There's a lot of interest initially. Um, and, uh, you know, after, after the sort of viral moment it had in um, May of 2019, um, there was, you know, it's peak spike in demand, um, which I was totally unprepared to fill. Um, but after that, it sort of maintained um, a really steady pace aside from a uh, dip um, during the, you know, um, peak uh, coronavirus pandemic um, when people were staying in and obviously um, not wanting to use cash as much. Right. Um, but um, since then, it's, you know, it's, I'm, basically coming home and, you know, I uh, have a day job and then at night I'll uh, make stamps, package them up, get them ready to ship out. Um, and it's just a very uh, steady daily churn of getting orders out. And is this something that, are these expensive to make? Cause you're, are you 3D printing the handle for all these? Like the whole thing is, or Not no more. Okay. No. Cause I was going to say there's, that would take so long and be quite yeah. expensive to do. Yeah, so initially I was 3D printing the handles. This is one that, a test one that I did out of this um, sort of marble-like filament with a laser engraved face. Um, but laser engraving is great for prototyping things, but it takes in 10 minutes or so to engrave each face. It's a slow mm. process, um, or slow if you're trying to scale up. It's, it's fast if you're prototyping something and want to just do a couple iterations. Um, so... I moved on from 3D printing to having handles injection molded, which you can do much faster, just um, pump these out by the thousands. Um, and then also molding the stamp rubber itself. Um, so there's a shop in the East Village in New York um, called Casey Rubber Stamps, um, run by this old Irish guy, John Casey, that makes um, real gum rubber stamps in this old fashioned process and a heat mm -hmm. press. Um, he's got like a car jack and he, cranks this thing up um, and vulcanizes rubber in the press. And so you start out with these gummy sheets of rubber and then he'll make them in sheets like this. Um, and so it's this, you know, tough floppy sheet of rubber that has 12 stamps on it. Um, 
So I go and pick those up, I bring them home, and then sort of I'll trim them down um, to squares like this, just trim off the excess, um, and that gives you an edge to align against. Mm -hmm. um, then I'll send these sheets off to a laser cutter, um, and they'll laser cut out the outlines of each stamp, and so then I can you know, turn the sheets into piles of stamps like this. Okay. Um, so you, so you, you know, just cut out with the, with the right outline. Um, but since it's, you know, many different manufacturing processes coming together, um, you know, it took uh, some time to make sure that I could cut precisely enough against the lines that were, you know, added to the design of the stamp sheet um, and um, design a laser file that would um, cut accurately enough to make sure that everything lined up correctly. Um, you can see a small detail that I added to these sheets, these little nubs oh, yeah. um, at the vertices of the stamp. Um, and so I could tell that, um, you know, when I got it back, the laser passes through the center of each of those little bumps. Um, and so I can see, you know, verify that the alignment is correct um, and make adjustments if necessary based on that. So this is a very complex manufacturer. I mean, it's, I mean, there's several steps to it. It's not just you with the scissors cutting these out after work. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, it, it took me a while to figure out how to, how to do this um, in such a way that I could, you know, still maintain the quality I wanted um, mm -hmm. of the stamps, um, keeping the alignment uh, exact, um, while also being able to, to scale it up. So are you gluing the pieces to, together, the stamp to the handle? Yeah. Yeah. So once I have the, um, stamp rubber, um, get the handles and, um, I just use some cyanoacrylate glue, super glue, um, okay. glue those together. Once I have it all glued together, um, you know, some of the glue squishes out the edges, um, between the rubber and the plastic handle. So I'll use a belt sander and sand off any excess and sort of polish it up, um, and use some, you know, stamp cleaning fluid to get rid of any, um, any dust or, or any sort of, um, marring from the laser cutting process. So this sounds like this is not going to be, um, it, it, you have a lot of time and energy invested. So this isn't really a get rich quick kind of plan <laughs> for you. Like that's no, not what this is about. I mean, do you make uh, anything off of these? I mean, cause it seems like there's quite a bit of labor and materials that goes into each one mm -hmm. and your price point is $20, correct? That's, I think that's what I paid. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, this um, is um, from the start. I, I um, saw this as a not for, profit endeavor. Um, mm -hmm. as, you know, I'm a cis, straight, white, male, healthy, educated, born in the 1980s in the United States. Um, so, you know, real talk, I'm going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I have a, another job. Um, and so I've used this project as a way to raise money for different charities. Um, and uh, so I do have to um, pay taxes, which, um, you know, from 2019 was more than I expected but the government does want its cut of everything so i had mm -hmm. to set aside enough money to cover taxes um, set aside enough money to cover expenses for um, all the different parts um, ink pads rubber and handles and glue and packaging materials um, but then after that um, i set aside uh, whatever's profit um, and donate that to different charities that's um, awesome so how much have you been able to donate so far i have about forty thousand that i've raised for Excellent. charity so far and who have you um, donated it to what organizations are you supporting it's it's actually a long list, um, and I've learned a lot about philanthropy in this process. Um, you can see the list of organizations I support um, on tubmanstamp.com. Okay, um, I can and, just link to that for people who want to know. Yeah, yeah, um, tubmanstamp.com/slash hashtag charities will take you right to that section. Okay, um, 
But the project initially um, was sort of kickstarted in 2018 with a grant um, from the Awesome Foundation, which is sort of a nationwide group of people that will give um, grants of $1,000 to people um, to sort of get projects going. Um, so I applied for this in, I guess, August of 2018, um, when I was at a point where I'd made a lot of stamps and sort of tallied up what I'd spent and realized I'd you know, sort of put in $1,000 of my own money into getting the rubber and materials, the 3D printing filament and stuff mm -hmm. um, to make all these stamps and realized that it was um, becoming unsustainable because more and more people wanted the stamps. So I needed some way to figure out how to make it sustainable. Um, and so I went with the grant process, <clears throat> um, ended up getting the $1,000 grant. Um, and along with that came a bunch of press about um, winning this grant. Um, and so that's sort of where I realized I could um, make these available for sale on Etsy, um, which would handle a lot of the shipping logistics for me. So right. I wouldn't have to be manually writing addresses on labels for people um, and figured out that uh, there's a sort of poetic justice in um, pricing them at $20, given that they're meant to stamp $20 bills. Mm -hmm. um, and in doing that, I could make it a self-sustaining project. Um, and so as I, began selling these, um, I wanted to sort of return the favor that the Awesome Foundation had given me by giving me this $1,000 grant and start giving out $1,000 um, donations to other charities they thought were um, meaningful and sort of in line with um, the ideals that Harriet Tubman represents and um, sort of the antithesis of Andrew Jackson. So um, and I started with uh, Sister Song, which is um, an indigenous-led uh, organization that fights for reproductive justice um, and sort of larger organizations like Planned Parenthood and the ACLU and the Southern Poverty Law Center. Um, and at a certain point, I realized that I was just sort of adding up a bunch of groups um, that I was giving away $1,000 to and that I could probably be more strategic um, in how I made these donations. And so I <clears throat> put together larger bundles um, and um, made a bigger donation of 5,000 to the um, Lakota People's uh, Law Fund, which is um, trying to prevent pipelines from cutting through um, Lakota land in Canada. Um, and so I'm sort of, my uh, process is evolving as this project has grown um, and the amount of money that I'm able to bring in um, has grown along with it. What advice do you have for other makers out there who want to contribute to charity this way? Because I'm assuming that it could be kind of complex when you have your when tax time rolls around mm -hmm. and you have to show not just one donation, <laughs> but like a lot of donations to a lot of different places. Um, then you also have your Etsy fees and other things that come into mm -hmm. it. So um, what, it, what have you learned and what advice do you have for someone that might want to do some good, but also want to make sure they do good bookkeeping? Right. So don't get in trouble. Yeah, bookkeeping is, is very important. Um, and in my case, I uh, hired an accountant to help me with my taxes this year because um, I didn't really have the time to go through everything on my own. Um, I did um, okay bookkeeping on my own was using spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, um, I think it's, it's worth it to pay a couple extra hundred dollars to have someone go through it with you and be like, okay, yes, you've done your taxes correctly you do actually owe this much money and here's why um, and sort of help you through that process at least uh, the first year um, I found that really essential so um, yeah if, if you are suddenly overwhelmed by the 
um, process of um, bookkeeping and um, paying taxes, um, an accountant, uh, I think is, is well worth it. Um, and on the philanthropy side, um, it's not as simple as just sort of, you know, clicking send money to people. Um, it involves a decent amount of research. And so I think it's important to go into it with that mentality that um, it's going to take um, a non-trivial amount of work to figure out who and how to get money to people in a way that's effective. Um, because it's not just about, you know, giving it away so you can say you've given it away. It's about right. um, trying to be strategic in um, how you do it so that you actually are able to um, have some positive effect. Um, and so uh, I think, I think there, there's a decent amount of um, sort of due diligence um, that's incumbent upon the person who's donating involved in um, finding the right groups, um, finding people within those groups to talk to, um, talking to other people who are involved in the world of philanthropy um, and just getting good advice on where money is needed at that time um, and you know where you can be most effective with whatever sums you're able to move around. Now, I know with a lot of charities, there's administrative costs and things like that. So sometimes people get upset when they realize they make a donation and there might be some of that money sometimes is used in with an administrative, you know, kind of to keep things running uh, mm -hmm. where some folks want to just see their money get to a place where it's going to be used in a way that they're really happy about. What things have, do you look for when you're deciding who, to, which groups to donate to and how to go about that? I mean, are you trying to make things in a very hyper local level, like where it's not the parent organization, it might be the specific place doing this specific thing. I mean, how, how specific are you with your directing those donations? Um, I try to look them up on a couple different websites to see, you know, what percentage goes to administrative costs. Um, the one I can think of off the top of my head is Impact Matters, um, and that will list, you know, any 501c3 organization and give some information on it. Um, so I, I try to do research there, um, and and otherwise, and you know, just uh, talking to other people who are either involved directly or tangentially. Um, with whatever cause I'm interested in. And do you follow up to kind of see what happens after the fact? I mean, not in a, like an aggressive way, but do you ever like check in to see what happened with the funds? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it often results in um, sort of an open channel dialogue being formed between you and the organization because um, they aren't typically receiving large donations from just individuals. Mm -hmm. um, so in my case, um, Canva is a New York based uh, nonprofit that um, helps homeless people and also high school students sort of with college prep. Um, and so I've donated to them a couple of times um, and am in contact now somewhat regularly with um, the, the woman who processes donations there. Um, and uh, I'm interested to see sort of what stuff they're doing as, as time goes on, um, as, as different things come up in the city, um, how they're helping. And um, I've gone from sort of giving them larger one-time donations to becoming just a sustaining donor, which mm -hmm. um, is more feasible for a lot of other people. And I think helps organizations know um, that they'll have uh, a certain amount of money at a certain amount of right. time. Um, it's difficult for organizations to sort of just like get a bunch of money all at once and then um, do the accounting around it, paying people, because um, you need to know that you'll have money going forward continually. Um, so I've moved from um, 
doing only, you know, large single donations to <clears throat> trying to spread it out um, and becoming a, just a sustaining donor for a lot of organizations. Um, so Canva is one that I like, uh, it's more local to New York, but the human utility is another one um, that just helps people pay um, water and electricity bills. Um, I think that's uh, focused in Detroit. Um, Give directly also a lot of people have heard of, um, which just gives money directly to people who need it. Um, and there's a lot of other uh, smaller organizations sort of popping up that are in this vein of being like, give us some money, we'll make sure it goes to the right people and has the most impact um, rather than, um, you know, being spread around to um, cover organizational costs. Now, were you doing a lot of philanthropy before you started selling these stamps? I mean, was this something that you had, you know, it's just part of your life or is this, is this kind of a new chapter that you're going full blast at now? It's uh, definitely on a, on a new level now. Um, but yeah, I was, I was um, a you know, sustaining member of a lot of different organizations prior to this. Um, but I, you know, now suddenly have access to regular funds through, um, the stamp sales um, that I didn't really have before. So trying to be responsible on how I um, deal with that and manage that. So what would you say the first step is for someone who's out there? Um, you've given a lot of advice about how to find a place and how to you know, make your donation, but um, there's also that accountability to the people you're selling the product to. So um, it sounds like you have this listed on your website. So you have, you list it there. What other advice do you have? Because sometimes people say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to donate $5 from every, every, whatever they're selling to charity. Um, and then sometimes you don't know if the person really is doing that or not. So right. what advice do you have just as a maker, like to other makers, like what you can do to kind of like make sure your, um, your market, the people supporting you know uh, that it's actually going where you said it's going to go and, and how do you view that accountability to the people buying stamps? Yeah, it's, it's sort of um, a tricky line to walk because on the one hand, I'm aware that um, I don't want to be overly performative and being like, look right. at all the, the right. good deeds I have done. Um, and so I will you know, make mention of this um, occasionally on social media or um, on on Twitter um, and trying to point people in the direction of uh, groups I support to try and amplify uh, what they're doing or um, draw in more donations than what I can actually uh, give. Um, but otherwise I um, will just respond to people individually if they have more specific questions um, okay. and share information with people about, um, you know, exactly what I've donated and what quantities and what dates um, and keep sort of the, the documentation of all that. Um, on my computer um, and I'm happy to share that with with people um, if they ask but um, try not to make that the focal point of what I'm doing because I don't want to um, turn people off from supporting organizations by making them feel like they can't um, you know follow up and commensurate way or um, or feel like I'm sort of dunking on them yeah, I think that that's, um, the, especially now with everything that's going on, you know, when people are um, taking to social media and, you know, really publicly declaring their support for things, um, that's been criticized, you know, sometimes if someone's being, making themselves the center of the issue as opposed to 
keeping the focus on the issue or cause they're trying to support. So it is right. a delicate thing. Um, so I think I, I like the fact that you're keeping in detailed information. If someone has a question, they can reach out to you. So it sounds like that's great advice for makers out there. Just keep your information straight. Um, so you kind of answer those questions, but you might want to maybe err on the side of dialing back when it comes to um, pronouncing all these wonderful things that, that you're doing to the world. So, um, so yeah, well, I'll shift to something since you don't like to talk about it, you're, you know, you and all these great things you're doing but I will say, I, I thank you on behalf of, um, you know, everybody out there for that loves the stamp, uh, for doing what you're doing, because it is very, very satisfying, more satisfying than I imagined to stamp a 20. I really like it's a real power trip of just feeling like you're mm-hmm. kind of taking back um some some ugly ugliness in american history and kind of trying to make something right even though it won't make it right um but uh giving harriet tubman her due um i you know she's definitely uh, earned earned the right to be on the 20. um so uh the other questions i had is just you know overall the response like has you would you say that it's way more positive than negative because people are there are some angry folks out there um, mm-hmm. who have responded, but do you hear also from people who are just really happy that you're doing this? Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely more positive than negative, um, the response I've gotten. Um, there's um, a fair amount, of, I think, uh, well-placed skepticism, given that I'm, you know, a, a straight white guy who's, you know, advocating for something that um, could be seen as um, trying to dismantle a system that historically has benefited me and people like me. Um, but I, um, I think that that skepticism is, is correct. Um, and um, I don't take that personally. Um, I think that's, that's sort of in line with trying to uh, work and live in an anti-racist way. Is, um, that's sort of just is something that you accept and comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's sort of split between um, those, two, those two veins um, with you know, a dash of hate mail thrown in occasionally. And I heard you make a comment on, I don't know if it was on MSNBC or one of the other interviews that you did, where you talked about just the symbolism of people seeing Harriet Tubman on the $20 bill. Can you talk a little bit about what that, uh, so it's not like just, just civil disobedience of putting someone on the 20 that you think should be there, but what is your hope that this would convey to the American public just as they're buying things and going about their life to see Harriet on that bill? Yeah, um, I just think that um, as a country, we have this currency that is wholly represented by old white men, the majority of whom were slaveholders. Um, and uh, it's time to change that pattern um, because currency is everywhere. Even as we move sort of more into this digital age, um, everyone still carries and handles currency in their life. Um, and that, um, has a way of just sort of getting into your, uh, into your psychology, um, how you think of yourself and your place within society. Um, and I think that's more important than a lot of people give it credit for. Um, and so having a symbolic change of who we celebrate on our currency is, um, something that's really necessary for this country to move forward with. Well, I, I think that's very well put, and I appreciate uh, everything that you're doing. I found there's another a thing you can do. I made actually a little pendant today using your stamp. Oh, nice. Um, shrinky dinks. <laughs> you can put anything on shrinky dinks. And I actually was looking to make a little pin, a lapel pin, but I couldn't. I might. Um, I just moved my studio, and it's 
little, everything's not where it's supposed to be right now. But anyway, um, the stamp could be stamped on other things. I mean, for people who buy it, if you have, you have the stamp, obviously it's designed for 20s, but those crafty folks out there, you can stamp it in your journal, stamp it anywhere you want. I mean, I'm not suggesting people go around stamp just every, you know, it's mm -hmm. keep it on the 20, you know? <laughs> yeah. But it works but well can, as a but temporary can, tattoo as well. Yeah. You I've can make a lot of people stamp it on their arm. And yeah. You can make a lot of things good. with it. Have stamping parties. Are people doing that? Having stamping parties where people come and stamp yeah. on their twenties? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've seen, I've seen a lot of stamping parties happen. Have you hosted any yourself? No, you, I've you're too busy making been, stamps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's rare that I have an extra stamp um, lying around and mostly ship everything I've got. Do you have anyone helping you with this or do you do all of this? I mean, do you have family members or anybody that helps friends that help you? It's, it's, it's a one man business for now. Wow. Um, I'm just okay. keeping it as simple as I can. Um, and, you know, keeping in mind that, um, you know, we're living through uh, sort of a unique moment in time in, in our country's history. And I don't want to, um, you know, create a, a job for someone that um, i I'm not sure will, you know, last in the long term. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sort of keeping it um, financially and logistically as simple as possible. Well, it sounds like you're hoping that there wouldn't be a need for someone to be in that role for the, you wanted to see it change. Yeah. I mean, the ultimate goal is to not have to make these stamps. Um, but where we are now, I think um, it's, it's an important um, thing that people can do. Um, it's sort of a, a small gesture, but I think it sort of, opens the door towards other actions. Um, I think it, it, you know, it's not just raising awareness, but also um, someone who might initially be timid to, um, you know, take the act of stamping U.S. currency um, might feel more emboldened after seeing that, um, after doing that and seeing how powerful it is um, and be willing to um, be more active um, in civil engagement um, and civil disobedience. Yeah, no, civil disobedience can be very, very fun. As a journalist, I haven't really participated in much of that, except I was right on the 20, stamp in the 20s. So I was like, all right, yeah, I'm in for this mm -hmm. one. So thank you so much. I don't know if there's anything that I didn't ask you that you want people to know about um, Tubman Stamp or anything else that you've got going. Um, the only other thing I can add is... Um, I made this project open source um, from the start. So the design files um, and all the details on how I make the stamp are available online. Um, it's hosted on thingiverse.com. Um, and so the idea was um, that it's not necessarily one person making a bunch of stamps, but anyone who wants to manufacture their own is able to do it. Um, and so some other people have taken me up on this and started manufacturing their own stamps, selling them on Etsy as well. Um, and all I ask is that people that, um, you know, follow through with this also, um, follow in donating profits to charity. Um, cause I don't think this is, uh, you know, a get rich quick scheme for anybody. I think right. the right thing to do is, you know, use this to amplify other causes that are going on at the same time. Um, but, uh, I appreciate anyone who has taken it upon themselves to, you know, manufacture their own, however they want to do that, um, laser engraving or molding or otherwise. Um, and, you know, I, I, dream of this becoming um, a many-headed hydra that is so large that um, no government can kill it. 
Well, you're on your way and it sounds like you have help now that you put that information out there for other people. So we'll see how many people take you up on it. The only thing I didn't ask you, which is usually something I do at the very beginning, is a little bit about your background. Did you go to art school and learn how to do these, you know, how to create things, manufacture things on using 3D printing and all these other platforms that you're on? Uh, no, I, I don't have any formal training, um, really. I just, um, I enjoy technology and um, digital fabrication. I think that's that's sort of where my skill set lies. And so I, I try to just uh, uh, focus on what I'm good at um, and contribute um, as best I can that way. That's awesome. So you're completely self-taught. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. It makes the story even better. I appreciate you sharing that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, again, I appreciate your, um, you agreeing to an interview at pretty short notice. I know we had talked a while back and then um, I'm glad this was able to come, you know, come together and I'm going to look to try to get this posted today. So uh, we'll kind of um, have that tie in with uh, today's a good day to put it out there. Uh, to celebrate uh, Juneteenth and um, and just inspire people. Sometimes it's really simple, little things that people can do to um, just make a difference. So thanks for keeping the conversation going. Yeah. And uh, I'll let you get on with your day so you can get back to making stamps. Got a lot to make. Yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot. Take yeah, care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to episode 224. I'll be back with another show soon. I have some shows that I kind of need to re-record because they they have some cobwebs on them. So I'm going to work on that. And if you any, have any suggestions for me about who you'd like me to interview next, by all means, you can reach out, jennifer at craftsanity.com. And I will be happy to um, take those ideas of yours under consideration. And uh, yeah, I think my next episode, I, I might do a little... Um, we'll see. My studio is very, very messy right now, but uh, eventually I'll do a studio tour and um, that'll be on the YouTube channel. And I will have uh, a little more information about how things have changed for me because I actually did move my house and business and everything. And um, I only moved 15 minutes, but that move was traumatic folks. Oh my word. But anyway, uh, I hope you guys are well and it's good to be back and uh, yeah, let's get reconnected. It's been too long. I'll be back as soon as I can with another episode. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Same time next week will be Craft